Hey y'all and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show, uh, episode 61. And I'm here with a friend, Lindsay Lee, who I guess we grew up at Carmel Baptist together. Never were really friends or close, mm-hmm. but knew of each other. Um, but wanted to bring her on. She has a powerful story journey um, that affects a lot of uh, families um, and um just kind of been growing in our um, times and it's sad, but just wanted to allow her to come on, share her story um, in hopes that it might be able to help um, some listeners. Um, but we all have a story. We all have struggles. And the good news is we're not alone. Um, so, Lindsay, thank you for just your vulnerability and coming on um, and talking about something that's very hard to talk about. Because um, as Hugh Shannon said in episode, I think it was 41. If I'm correct. Um, and I just learned something. Um, you told me that you used to drive yep. David um, home in um, high school. Mm-hmm. A little out of the way. You were telling me. But, a little bit. <laughs> um, but you said um, you're always going to have a hole in your heart. But mm-hmm. it's how do you live and continue to live with that hole in your heart. Um, whereas David um, was killed. Um, and... Um, alcohol factor and hazing. Um, and this is something that I've struggled with. A lot of people struggle with in those thoughts, intrusive thoughts, mm-hmm. um, and suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, so just thank you for coming on and just sitting down and talking about something that, you know, is very hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, um, David and I met, um, in the summer of 2013, um, I was in college and he was seven and a half years older than me. Um, and, and this is your this, husband, not this David my, Shannon. Yeah, not David Shannon, David listeners. Lee. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and um, so we started dating summer 2013 um, and then did long distance dating throughout college. Um, and then we got married April 2nd, 2016. My birthday. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. April 2nd's oh. my birthday. I missed April Fool's by 37 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> well, I think, like the wedding venue we got married at, they were like, yeah, our first opening's April 1st. And I was like, no, nah, I can't do April Fool's Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we got married April 2nd, 2016. And then, um... We were married for uh, three years. Yeah, three years. Um, before we had Emmy, our first. Um, and then once we had Emmy, um, like before Emmy was born, David was a super goofy guy, kind of quiet, humble, but just total goofball. Um, and like, if you gave him a task, like he was going to do it the whole, like (laughs) the whole thing and more. maybe. Oh yes. (laughs) And, um, so when we had Emmy, um, he had just changed jobs like a few months before. Um, and he had gone from like a bigger company to a smaller company. Mm-hmm. So he was just having a lot more like job responsibility. And um, so 
he was like just more stressed with that. And then also he was one of those guys like <laughs> he wanted to know exactly what day, what time Emmy would be born. And that just doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> that, that doesn't they give you a ballpark. She was a whole week late. So that just didn't happen. Um, so he was just getting antsy about all of that. And then um, he just put a lot of pressure on himself. Um, like he felt like he had to be the perfect dad mm-hmm. and had to do everything right. And like with your first child, it's like nothing goes trial right. and error. Right, yeah. <laughs> like it's, you know, you figure out what works and what doesn't and you just like move on. And, um, he didn't want to have those like errors. Like he wanted to do everything perfectly. Um, and so it was probably two, uh, three or four months after Emmy was born. And like he, I mean, Emmy was not a good sleeper. So like there was a lot of lack of sleep going on too. So which adds a lot of <laughs> a stress. Lot of stress and- yes. And you're just not thinking clearly. But I had noticed he just wasn't his, like, normal goofy self. And, like, he just seemed really down and just, like, quiet and kind of distant. And um, I just kind of watched it for a little bit. And then, like, one night I was just like, David, I really think you are struggling with depression. Mm-hmm. And... um. At first, he kind of ignored it, and then he was like, yeah, I, I really think I am, too. How long before he admitted? Was it that um, later that night or some days? So I think it was passed? a few days like after that I had said um, that I thought he was struggling with depression, um, but he didn't tell anybody. So And he hit it very well, like at church, always smiling. Because he was in the band or the yeah, worship, band. worship band at Carmel. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, always smiling, very pleasant to be around. Like, he, like none of his friends even really knew until he, like, opened up to them. Um, it was, I don't even know, like, could have been six months after. Um, Y'all's talk? Because mm-hmm. yeah. for me, someone who's dealt with depression um, for a long time, when I would be around people, that's mm-hmm. when the, depression would kind of numb because mm-hmm. I was around yeah. people and mm-hmm. for me everyone's yeah. different yeah. but I didn't feel alone yeah. and I kind of could put the depression and all the yeah. intrusive thoughts yeah. all the struggle stress mm-hmm. I had mm-hmm. on the back burner because yeah. I could focus on someone I was with mm-hmm. or a group or whatever mm-hmm. an outing yeah. may be so for me yeah. that's uh, being around people I was able to hide it better because of that yeah and I think for David um because COVID happened like six months after that or something. Um, so that, and David was like super athletic. Like he always was working out. Like that was his outlet. So like he had started doing jujitsu and so he could like kind of let out his frustrations, like not really anger, but just like frustrations mm-hmm. and just stress from work. He could let it out at the gym well, then when COVID happened, you know, the gym closed, <laughs> yep. couldn't let out his frustrations. Um, so, and he didn't open up to family 
Actually, I don't think he didn't. He didn't even open up to friends, I don't think, for it was a whole year after because um, a whole year after he initially started showing signs of depression is when he told his parents. And oh, wow. So, yeah, it was a long time. Um, but it was something that I, it wasn't, I should not be the one to tell people. It was something that he had to do. Correct. So, um, you're just there to support him as his wife and yeah, just be there for him and help him, you know, remain healthy. Like it was like, and he had to accept like that this was something he was struggling with. And so to get to that point, it took a while, but, and then when he finally did tell his parents and his family like it was um like family was very surprised um they did not see that coming at all um and i think at first it was um like i remember exactly like where we were when he told them we were at our house and um his parents had come um to visit and they were at the dinner table, and I, I don't even know. Did you he, see? I didn't even know this was coming out. Okay. Like, <laughs> this, this just came blindside out of, for I was everybody. like, okay, <laughs> we're doing this. So he um, he was like, uh, I've been struggling with depression. Um, and his parents were like, oh, really? And, and I was like, dead, ser- like, dead serious? Yes, this is. Because now he let it out of the bag, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Yes, I've been mm-hmm. seeing this, this for a year, or however yeah. long you said." And um, so, and we did do counseling, and I loved counseling, um, because I felt like he was able to express his frustrations, but then I was able to, I feel like, have a safe space mm-hmm. to feel how I was feeling, but felt like I couldn't tell him because when David was really struggling, like really badly with depression, it was like, I was like, how I like to describe it is like, I felt like I was walking on eggshells in my house. Like Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to keep Emmy like quiet and, but she could still be a kid like play and stuff. But I felt like I just had to make the home very peaceful. Mm-hmm. You don't want to crack the eggshell. Right. So, like, I didn't want to do anything, like, have anything set David off and just, like, put him in a bad space. So, it was just, and, like, how it, um, the counselor, he and I were talking, and um, it was, like, at times, it felt like, I, I had a roommate, but I didn't have a husband mm-hmm. kind of feeling like we lived together, but it, it, it just felt tense. Yeah. Um, depression can mm-hmm. make a person very mm-hmm. tense. And, um, so, um, he did do counseling and then I had told him, um, before we did counseling, I told him, I was like, you really need to go to the doctor. And you need to tell them mm, that you're yeah. struggling with depression um, and see if they have any recommendations for you. Like if there's a medication they recommend for you to like, just try or if there's something else. And so at first <laughs> he 
wasn't going to tell them. And I said, if you don't, I will literally get on the computer and I am going to send that doctor a message <laughs> because I want my husband back. Like, yes. I was like, you can't just live like this. It's miserable. It's like, it I mean, it was like, I was watching my husband like just fade away, like just right in front of me, even though heart was beating, but it was like, he was not the person that you fell in love was. with. Yeah. Yeah. He was not goofy. He, like anything could just set him off. Like it was, I mean, it, not, like I never, it never was like I was ever scared physically, like he was going to hurt me or anything, but it was just like, he, he just would retreat a lot. Mm -hmm. And like his, his safe space was his office. So that's where he had like all his guitar stuff. And like, he would spend hours playing the guitar and then recording recording a bunch um and uh so yeah it was it was definitely really hard on our marriage like on the outside i think it looked like happily married couple with like a one and a half like at that like point. i've said before um you know you're going to church you're fighting mm -hmm. um and then once you pull in the parking lot get into your parking spot <laughs> everyone get on your happy faces yeah because we're the we're the joneses yep. yep but in reality if you look out at a congregation everyone's mm -hmm. going through something mm -hmm. where it's marital or yeah. whatever yep. maybe finances yeah um and like luckily like david and i we honestly we didn't we really didn't fight um but it was just it i don't it just the spark wasn't there anymore, but he, he, like he had lost that spark in him. So it was just, and like, I was more of the optimist. I was like, David, it could just be maybe a couple of years that you struggle with this mm -hmm. and then you'll be fine. And he, he just always felt like, no, this is something I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life. And he was always, I don't want to say pessimist, probably more of a realist, but a little bit pessimistic. I yeah. am just, generally a more optimistic person um and so they had started him on a medication um did he tell the doctor or did you yeah, no, hop on no he he did okay. he told that doctor and i was like okay good <laughs> i yes. think it was a threat maybe <laughs> <or you. laughs> um but he did tell the doctor um and they did start him on a medication he did not like the way it made him like feel it's um, trial and error with me. I've been on yeah. medicine for a long time and um, currently on Lexapro for mm -hmm. depression and mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of them make you gain weight. Yeah. Some of them make you tired. It just, mm -hmm. it's trial and error, yeah. which is a hard part and can be yeah. daunting. It's like, yeah. I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. David, he was never like, he really didn't like to take medication. And so just for like even Tylenol. So that might just be a man thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like getting him to just even try this was like, oh my gosh. And he tried it for a month and he stopped. In that month, did you notice anything? Um, I feel like it was too early to like, I mean, cause it takes really a while give it for a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he was like, no, I'm not doing this. And I was like, okay. Um, so then, then that's when I was more like, okay, well, if you're not going to do this, I really think we need to do counseling regularly. And where did um, y'all go? Because a lot Carmel. of Carmel. Okay, because mm -hmm. people have 
been to the Barnabas Center, okay. which is a good one. Yeah. And then Carmel has a yeah. really good one. David Dixon, who yeah. I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we saw Clay. Play, yep. Mm-hmm. That's who the Shannon's. Um, he did our premarital counseling, so we, we just like you knew jive him. with him. He knew so y'all. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I really wanted to go more frequently, um, but he didn't want to. Um, so, but it was like when we left the counseling sessions, I felt like we were more on the same page. We like, he felt good cause he got something off his chest. I felt good cause I got stuff off my chest. And then he got to also like, hear like, oh, wow, I didn't feeling this way and i was mm-hmm. like yeah i'm a little too scared like not really scared but the eggshells, i don't want to said, put more on you correct. and so yeah um, that was your safe place to yep. open up mm-hmm. for both of y'all yep and so um we did counseling a few times um and then um the other outlets he had was his um playing guitar and then jujitsu which he ended up Going back to the gym once that stuff opened up. Finally. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Um, and so then about December 2020, everything seemed good because that summer before the summer 2020 was when he was probably the worst of his mm-hmm. depression. Um, like we were my fam, my side of the family, we were going to the beach for like a week and he was but he did not go right force it Mm -hmm. and did your family at this point know kind of his depression or is it just his close friends and family point they did not know okay it was the fall i believe after Mm -hmm. um and so he ended up coming i think like second to last day and he came for day um and i just kind of blew it off like i just covered it up being like oh it's work yeah um but i think in that at that time like he couldn't handle having to feel like he had to act all happy and all is well mm-hmm. um even though like my family and his family they don't ever have that kind of expectation of everybody has to be but as an individual great, dealing but, with depression yeah. you have that on yourself yeah and so, um, and I didn't pressure him. I was like, okay, if you feel like you need space, do that space. It'll be a nice, quiet week for you. Um, and then, um, yeah, and then I feel like once fall hit, he had told his friends and he had kind of publicly shared um, that he was struggling with depression. Um, so fall 2020, he was fine. December 2020, totally fine fine um and then february 24th i was at work uh february 24th 2021 um i was at work um i'm a nurse so i have to work 12 hour well, but this is my, <laughs> Honey, if you want to bring <laughs> home a check <laughs> <laughs> i work 12 hour shifts so um and so i was working and then he had texted me um at like 6 p.m and i get off at 7 um p.m so you do the 7 to 7 or whatever um and he had texted me he said i'm about to lose it you need to get home now 
and um like i cannot leave an hour before my shift ends like i'll be i can be home in like 45 minutes to an hour um i suspected it was work related but then i knew it was about emmy's bedtime and i knew she was probably getting a little fussy so i was like just put on a movie or put emmy to bed early and then you can do work or whatever you need to do um and so when i got home uh he had just come out of emmy's room and he had put her to bed and then he had he was venting about work calling at like 4 p.m which was when he had just like signed off like he was getting ready to sign off of work they're like hey we need this last minute thing done he was like oh my gosh like you i've had all day and now you want this thing done but that's how corporate america does so (laughs) um so he was just really ticked off about that and it was some kind of unrealistic expectation and um so he went to his office and he um and I was eating dinner because I was starving. And then he came out and he was like, I'm going to go to Harris Teeter. I need to go grab some wine. I'll be back. Okay. So he came, he went to Harris Teeter and then he came back and he had bought like two bottles of wine. And just was went. that unusual for him? or? So he usually had like a glass or two of wine at night. Okay. Um, so it wasn't alarming. But I was that... like, mm, okay, a little weird. You're bringing two bottles of wine to your office. But I was like, I don't think him all that. So he, um, so he took bottles of wine to his office, and then he kept on working. Um, and then at ten, I was like, all right, I'm going to bed. So base, let me go to bed. And um, so I went to bed, and then I had slept really bad that night. Like I just super restless and i knew he wasn't sleeping beside me which if he was having a bad day he usually wanted to sleep in the guest bedroom have a space mm-hmm. i was like okay that's fine so i assumed he was sleeping in the guest bedroom um and then i woke up earlier than usual um on february 25th and i just, i like had this like i've never had this feeling in my life ever um but it was like I woke up and I knew something very, very wrong. And I got up. I knew he wasn't beside me. So I just went across the hall and um, went to where I thought he would be sleeping, which was the guest bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but that door was wide open and he wasn't in the bed. And then when I turned left, I saw that his office door was closed, but the light was shining on. Like I could see the light shining through the bottom of the door. Um, and I was the early bird. David was the night owl. So like, I was like, this is very weird. He would not be up before me. So I. What's going through your head right now? Like, I'm, I'm kind of freaking out. Like, cause you know, the depression like, something and, is really, really wrong. Yeah. Like he, I think he did something, but I, I don't know what. So I didn't know if maybe he like drank two bottles of wine, was passed out. I, I, at that point, I don't even think, I don't even just know. Frantic. I was just like. Oh my God. I opened the door. Um, and then I saw him. Um, and I've just always said like for the girl's safety, I'm not ever going to publicly share how David committed suicide. Um, cause if that's something they find out, that's a conversation them. with yeah, y'all. Yeah. Family. Um, yeah. and so, um, 
I found him, and then when I touched him, he was already ice cold. So mm. I was like, I. And you're a nurse. Like, yeah. So, um, so I ran straight to our bedroom, grabbed my phone, and then called nine one one. And that it's like something you know, like they teach you as a kid, like you call nine one one, and until you have to do it, it's like. So, um, call nine one one. This point, uh, Emmy is waking up. So I had closed the door to the office because I didn't want her to see anything. So grabbed Emmy and she and I were in the living room. And did she know something was wrong with no, you? No, she. You she were able to. I, no, I was bawling my okay. eyes out and I'm freaking. I was about out. to say, but I don't know she, how you. Yeah, she. I I don't know. She was like, she was fine, but she wasn't like, like, yeah. wasn't acting concerned. Um, and so I was on the line with the operator, and I just remember getting so annoyed with the operator because she was just like, "Are you sure he's not alive?" I was like, "Ma'am, I'm, I'm, uh, no, I just want, <laughs> I'm." A, if a nurse yep. like ma'am i know when a person is dead. i know more than you do like, as an operator i was like my husband has no pulse and he is ice cold i was like he, he's he's gone he's he's dead and so what felt like forever was only probably like five minutes um the time cops, freezes in a yeah, situation yeah the cops showed up um and at that point, you know, you can't call anybody else until the, like, first responders are at where you are. So, like, I couldn't call, like, my parents or anything. So, um, And is his, his parents are in D.C. at yeah, this point? Yeah, they live in D.C. Because so. they moved after she, because uh, she was our um, children's yep. minister. Yeah. Um, and, like, his brothers live in town, but his parents were out, live out of town. Um. And so as soon as the cops got there, then I was able to call my dad because my mom is a nurse, but she works night shifts. So I knew she was working that night. So she wouldn't. Plus, I didn't want to call somebody at <laughs> Give them that kind of news that while you're at work. Yeah, that's um, tough. So my dad got there, which felt like way faster than the cops. <laughs> um, and then they have to ask you all these questions and. Just like all an investigation, yeah. almost. Yeah. And all I knew at that point was like, I just want to get out of this house. Mm-hmm. I can't live here anymore. I, he's, he's dead in the room right across from me. Like, I eat out. Mm-hmm. Um, so as soon as they had gotten all the information that they needed from me, um, then my mom drove me home, uh, well, to their house. Um, and I just remember like, there's not much that I do remember, but I just remember crying, crying, and cry- like totally inconsolable and like just being so numb and you're almost like, it's happened. Like, like a dream. I, kinda. I, is this mm-hmm. like a nightmare I can't wake up from? Like, it just felt so surreal. Um, up to this point, did you imagine that it could ever get no. this bad? And I thought I'd see signs. And there were Mm -hmm. absolutely, except for when he was frustrated. But that was kind of like, not common, but he had nights where he was like ticked off, but he'd like have a couple glasses of wine, play the, play the guitar, and then he'd be fine. 
Oh, yeah. wow. So I kind of assumed that would happen. Um, and then I just, like, I remember when I went into his office, um, I remember the first thing I saw, because I looked at his desk, was the two bottles of wine, and I think he had maybe a glass of wine. And I was, I was just like, so at first I had kind of forgotten that I saw those bottles of wine and mm-hmm. I just was like, oh, maybe he just like drank so much he wasn't logically thinking and just yeah did it. But it was like only had a glass of wine. Um, so I don't know what those last moments looked like. Um, mm. But um, after that, um, so his parents came down um because it's like a seven hour drive um they came down the next day um and um it's just like very weird like i was 28 years old and i was having to figure out like does he want to be cremated does he want to be like not things things like that we did not talk about i had always said i wanted to be cremated but he never said how he wanted, like... I still don't know, because like, I'm like... I, Texas... Walker, Texas Ranger, back in the day, he was buried alive <laughs> one time, and so that's always... I don't want to be buried alive, but then I don't want to be alive and wake up during the cremations. Yeah, yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like... I I was having to make all these decisions, and I was like, I can't even, like, process yeah. anything. And you have a little one who needs you yep. as a mother. And then I have a one-and-a-half-year-old who just... Is, yeah, is a regular baby needing her mommy. Um, and then we had his funeral. So he died on a Thursday. We had his funeral on Sunday um, afternoon. Um, and at first I didn't think I was going to, like, speak at his funeral. Um, I didn't know if I would even be able to. Um but I, there was just like something I felt like I was like, I feel like there's something I need to like share um, so people could see and hear like the real story and mm-hmm. um, just no rumors, no nothing. Like, here's what happened. And, um, but also get to like hear how good he was. Um, so, um, I had shared that he was struggling with depression. Um, and then um, that was kind of that. Um, and then a week after he died, uh, I found out I was pregnant with our second. Um, and I I was, I kind of felt like I was pregnant a few days prior, but I was in such denial I was, that I was like, just all the emotions yeah. and different um and then took a test and i was like pregnant oh my <laughs> what, yeah gosh. what's going through your head i mean like, like i couldn't i couldn't process anything yeah. i was like my husband just died i have a one and a half year old and now i'm pregnant with another one that's your husband who just mm-hmm. died's baby mm-hmm. yep and i was like oh my god um, and I didn't tell anybody, um, the day that I took the test. Um, 
the next day we had, or that day that I took the test, we were actually, um, we had gone to the Whitewater Center to like release balloons because it had been a, exactly a week after mm-hmm. um, David died. And I don't know like how I was able to like keep this from everybody unless I was just like in such just disbelief yeah. that I was pregnant. Um, but the next day we had, we were all sitting down either lunch or dinner at my parents' house and it was both sides of the family. And as soon as everybody got the food and sat down, I was like, I have something I need to share. And I was like, I'm pregnant. And it was like, mic drop. Like you could hear you a needle. You could hear like, um, like uh, it was silence. And then, and then it was like, everybody was, ha- I mean, everybody was obviously happy. We just shocked. That but was it was six. just like, oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, so yeah, I went through a whole pregnancy, um, without David, um, and I, like, honestly, I feel like it was kind of a miracle I did not miscarry, just with all of the stress and just grief. That's the Lord. And it was just like, I mean, it could have easily happened that I could have lost her, but, um... But yeah, at 20 weeks, Emmy had had this like suspicion. Like it was it was very weird. Emmy had um I didn't know at this point that I was pregnant with a girl. Mm-hmm. Um and Emmy had um come up to me and she pointed to my belly and she said, "Baby girl." <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then she said it again and I was like, "Okay." And then the next day, she said, baby Abigail. Because we didn't know anybody by the name of Abigail. Uh, yeah. She didn't know any Abbeys, no Abigails, nothing. I mean, she's one and a half. She's not yeah, in school. Yeah, I was like, she's there's not- no, like, how do you know this name? Um, so then when I went to the 20-week ultrasound and they said, it's a girl, I was like, <laughs> you have got to be kidding me. And like, I was like, and I was just thinking, I was like, I remember David and I had made a list of like girl names, boy names that we liked. And like, we had, we had like written down Abigail as one for Emmy. Um, we were picking out name or thinking about names for when we were pregnant with Emmy, but we ended up picking Emmy for her. Um, and then I looked up the meaning of it and it means father's joy or brings joy. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh my God, this perfect. is perfect. <laughs> um, so, cause I just remember when I was pregnant, I was like, I knew what I was going to name the baby if it was a boy, because it was the name that we had picked for a boy if Emmy was a mm-hmm. boy. So I was really honestly hoping <clears throat> it was a boy because I was like, I don't have to make this decision on my own. This was like one less decision. Um, and then when it was a girl, I was like, oh my God. But when I looked up the name, like the meaning of it and everything, I was like, I mean, that's perfect. Um, and so then Abigail was born in November. Um, and of 21 mm -hmm, of 21. Yep. And just throughout, like there's, 
like you don't ever think you're gonna have to bring a death certificate to a birth. Uh, I was thinking, like, how is that? Because he's the father. Because I was like, I, I want his name on this birth certificate. He is the dad. Um, Correct. And so, um, we had to ask, like, we had to ask a bunch of people before I even went to the hospital, like, hey, what kind of paperwork do I have to bring? Because um, legally, I mean, he is the father, and just for all that. Yeah. And so, um, it. Just in different, like, situations I've been in, it's like I had already had to bring the death certificate or mail the death certificate for so many other things Mm -hmm. that it was, at first I thought I'd be a little bit more emotional bringing the death certificate to, like, the hospital. And the birth of Mm y'all's daughter. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is just going to make me so upset and everything. But I think at that point I had just done it so often with other things that it was just kind of like, I almost expected it to just to to be a kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so then she's born and she comes home and, um, and at this point after David died, we moved in with my parents. Um, and we still live with them. Um, and yeah. Um, there's just things that come up that you just like hit you out of nowhere. Just kind of like dropping Emmy off at we school for the first time. Like it's mm-hmm. first day of school. Moms and dads are both dropping their kids off. And it's like, oh. And then it's like uh, this year, Emmy for school, the three-year-olds, they do like muffins with mom and donuts with dad. And so... They haven't had the muffins with mom yet, but it, they did donuts with dad in the fall. And I was just like, oh, man, this sucks. Mm-hmm. And Is she at the age where she understands, like, daddy's not here? Or? So, yeah, she she knows he's not here. Um, and she's pretty bright for her age. Um, so, like, she, early on, I had already said, like, dad is in heaven. Mm-hmm. Um and, but it's still like heaven is not something that they can understand at that age. That it's like, I do, I do say like he, he died, but I think for me, I kind of buffer it with heaven just to make it feel less heavy and sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but she does, and like she still says, like, I miss daddy. And like, we have pictures of him around and stuff. Um, but I can tell like it's been two years and she does not have memories of him anymore. Mm. She goes based off, um, which that really is like hard. Um, just because it's like, I know he loved her so much that it's like, hate that she can't remember what that felt like. Yeah. Um, so there's there's definitely hard parts of this, but I think naturally she's not talking about him as much because he's not here. Yeah. Um, so, and I thought she would maybe like ask about, you know, like all the kids in my class have a daddy. Why don't I have a daddy? But 
she hasn't said anything like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe it's coming. I I don't know. But it's because there's no manuals. You said nope, to it's like you just take it as it is. Um, but I mean, overall, I feel like in grief, I feel like you can either let it suck the life out of you, mm-hmm. um, or you can choose to to find joy in whatever's around you. Um, and I feel like you found joy from, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, cause you're very open about it mm-hmm. and, you know, on Facebook, I've mm-hmm. seen you just post mm-hmm. a lot and mm-hmm. almost like a blog, I would mm-hmm. say, yeah. kind of just yeah. watching the girls grow yeah. up. And I mean, even days when you're struggling, yeah. you know, what you're struggling with, yeah. um, which has not been easy, mm-hmm. I would imagine. But yeah. um, it's a journey and, you know, you're choosing to live because yeah. you also have two yeah. girls that need you. But you're 30 mm-hmm. and there's a lot more life to live, even though that's hard to imagine without David. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said earlier, and Hugh Shannon said in episode 41, you're always going to have that hole in your right. heart, but it's how do you live with mm-hmm. that hole? And mm-hmm. like, how do you choose to live? Yeah. Um, and like, I'm sure my grief journey would look very different if I didn't have the girls. Um, but it's been such a blessing to have them because it's, it's like a healthy distraction, but I can, I also have bits of David that I still get to have with me. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's fun to be able to see like their different personalities <laughs> and like different pieces of David that are showing up in both of them. Like <laughs> Abigail is extremely goofy and <laughs> she's got that goofy side of David, but then Emmy is a little bit more short tempered, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but she's also a little bit perfectionist. But she's like super theatrical and like, I feel like she's going to be a little bit more artsy and musical. So it's just fun to kind of see like, because I mean, they're a very young age, but to be able oh, yeah. to pick that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun to see that um, coming out in them. Um, and I'm sure like every age is going to be different obstacle. Like why why did he do this? Mm-hmm. I, I he didn't leave a note so I I don't know um and it's just something like at first I was like it's just one of those things you have to live with like I'm, I'm never gonna know why he did it um but I know the David that I loved didn't do this to hurt me correct so it's just learning I mean because suicide is I mean, I've had guests on who have been suicidal. I've mm-hmm. been suicidal and mm-hmm. had several attempts, mm-hmm. but um, for some reason, the Lord placed people mm-hmm. in my life mm-hmm. when I was attempting to mm-hmm. prevent. Mm-hmm. Um, but for someone, for someone who's tried, and you, you don't get to that point obviously overnight, mm-hmm. as we've talked about. But you're not in your right head. Mm-hmm. You're it's <clears throat> you're not doing it because you know you're selfish or whatnot. That's literally the only option in your head is I need to end this pain. And that's the only way that you see out Mm -hmm. as hard as that is to swallow. That's the only option that individual sees. Um, But it's, it's hard, you know, and um, especially not seeing signs, you know, to where it could get to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't imagine. 
Yeah. So, I mean, and like, like I said earlier, it's like I'm choosing to find the joy in all this. Um, and it's like, at first I was like, oh my God, I'm a 28 year old widow. So much life left to live. And like, I feel like big W's just on my forehead. And it's like, I remember going to the hairdresser for the first time to get my hair cut since David died. And like, I'm just one of those that I like let my hair grow long and then I just chop it off once every (laughs) two years or something like that. And so I went to the hairdresser and I was like, just chop it off. And she, at the end, she was like, do you love it? And I was like, yeah. She was like, because we had talked about the girls. And she was like, so do you think your husband's going to love it? <laughs> and it was just one of those things where it was like a split second where I was like, I could just say like, no, sorry, my husband died. And then that would, whole conversation would have been awkward, depressing, and she would have been apologizing. And it's like one of those things like it's really hard like when people apologize that you're a widow it's like what do you say back i know sorry like yeah. i don't i don't i don't it's, know what to say back like I, thank I, you yes, i'm sorry you. like yeah it's like so i just lied i was like yeah i love it and it, but it was like one of those things like yeah when i did get my hair cut like that he did love it and like he said so it was like it kind of felt like yeah he loves it i don't, I don't know <laughs> yeah um, and so it's just like certain things. It's like being a young widow. It's like half the time I just want to seem like the average person. I don't mm-hmm. want half the world to know like I'm a widow, like introducing myself. Yeah, I'm a widow. And then you get that sympathy and it's just like, I just want to be like an, the average person. Yeah. And, but it's. When I first felt like that, it was, I think as I've grown some, it's, you have more of a story to share. Um, and I think one thing that has really come out of this is that I felt like I lived s- like several years, just kind of like a lie, mm-hmm. like a happy marriage and all was well. My husband wasn't depressed. Um, that it's like now I just I want to know people's real story. Like, what it, what are you struggling with? Because I hid that from everybody. Like, my husband is struggling with depression, and I feel like I can't tell a soul because he hasn't told anybody. Mm-hmm. And because that affects you too. Yeah. And so, um. I feel like I just feel more free, like sharing his story and my story. And I think people feel more comfortable than sharing like their own struggles. Um, and so that's, that's been like really nice to actually hear just like even coworkers and close friends, like um, just your everyday struggles, like even if it's something stupid, but I mean, struggle you have mm-hmm. um and i think one of the best things that's come out of like all of this um is i met um so david was actually friends with 
um, my friend's husband. Um, and I, I was like friends with her on Facebook and probably Instagram, but didn't really. And like, we grew up at Carmel together, but like, we never were really like, correct. Yeah. Like, I don't know, mutual kind of friends. We were probably on the youth group trips, but yeah, just, yeah, different but just like different friend and, groups and kind correct. of, and so, um, since this, um, and her sister committed suicide. And so mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. David, um, committed suicide, she was like one of the first people that showed up at the house. And I know you, but like, I, I appreciate your presence. Um, and we have kids the same age. And so it's like, she's become like an actual best she friend. She looks like because, a, I was going to say yeah. from social media, yeah. it looks like y'all are best friend yeah. doing stuff. And, and so like, and our and girls they're an amazing get couple. Yeah. And so, um, it's it's just nice being able to have somebody to like share like the hard stuff but also the good stuff um and then i feel like so at church i'm like in this widows group um i'm the youngest i was gonna say which is as you said you know 28 and now 30 It's, it's, it's a younger widows group but i'm still like the youngest yeah by i think 20 years or so um but even though the age difference and like we have kids different ages, but it's like you still bond over the hard stuff and, you know, them talking about like going out to a restaurant and it's like table for two and no table for one. Like with me, I can get away with it cause I got the girls. So it's like, Oh, just a mom out with her daughters. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's, that aspect where it's nice to have like a community of like women who understand the struggles of being a widow. And just I kind of was lucky and David handled all the financial stuff and I just kind of kept the household <laughs> flowing. And then it was like, and I had to figure all this stuff out. And David was one of those techie people that he had passwords that were like, <laughs> I mean, like the FBI, CIA couldn't yes, even figure like out. like you can't even figure this stuff out. So like I didn't know half the past. So it was just like, oh. Did he have them written down somewhere? Uh, no. It just so said, luckily his dad and his brother were able to figure out most most of the like, and then I just had to do a few phone calls for other things. But it's just like stuff like that that you're just like, man. That you don't even, think about no, and like even years, like two years later, there's still stuff that I come across that I'm like. Like, I didn't realize, like, credit cards we had. He was, like, the main holder, and mm-hmm. I was, well, I don't know, what do you call that? A, uh, I know what you're... Uh, <laughs> uh, the second person that can use a credit I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have permission to swipe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I had noticed, like, maybe six months after, maybe a year after David died, I was like, uh, this look, there's, like, fraudulent charge on the credit card. I was like... Because I knew it was from David's card, and I was like, "Dead, so he obviously can't be using this card." And it was like calling the credit card company, "Hey, there's a fraudulent charge on my deceased husband's credit card," and then they're like, "Oh well, we have to like hold this whole credit card," and it's just like a spiel. Like you have to apply for all new credit cards and all this stuff that you're just like, "Oh my gosh, I've been paying on a credit card." That I, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, just dumb stuff like that. Yeah. 
Um, but I mean, luckily, like my dad has been super helpful with everything. Like I literally don't know what I would be doing. Yeah. So how has that been living at home? I mean, you were married Mm -hmm. in your own home and then you go to living with family, which I've had to do. And I mean, I'm sure for a while it was Mm -hmm. very Mm -hmm. comforting, but then as Mm -hmm. time goes on. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely like at the two year mark. I'm like, like at the beginning, I definitely did not want to live on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely didn't want to live in the house that we had together. Um, but I knew like being pregnant, like pregnant, having a one and a half year old and then eventually having a newborn. I was like, there's no way I can have a house on my own and feel like I can run this thing (laughs) and keep up with all the stuff that there is. Um, but I feel like now like two years out and I feel like, you know, the girls are getting bigger and I feel ready just to get my own house and kind of like my own space, which I mean, luckily my parents' house is big enough that like the top, the upstairs is kind of like our own a little, little apartment. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I know I don't want to move like super far cause I rely on them for childcare for when I work. So yeah, I was gonna say you're still working. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm starting the whole looking at houses and, our best been doing that. It's, uh, it's not easy, I'll say. Nope. Well, and it's hard. Like, I really loved our house that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a ranch-style house, super light, like a lot of natural light, that open floor plan. It was just like, it was great. And so I think, and I've never been truly like angry angry at david like i like in the stages of grief Mm -hmm. but there have been a couple times that i have been angry but it's resolved very quickly like when the first time i remember feeling just being angry at david was both girls were sick and it was like the middle of the night and i was up all night just comforting one baby and then comforting the other Mm. one and and it was just like she were here just to like help. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I'm kind of feeling like a little bit of that, like in house searching. I'm like, love that house we had and like really struggling to find a house <laughs> really similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, but then it's like, I feel like, like there was a house I looked at the other day and the layout was very similar to the house we had. And I, I almost felt like, yeah, I liked the openness of it, but then I was like, Oh, I don't know if that's going to be too triggering. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like there's been a few triggers like throughout, um, since David died. Um, but luckily not many, um, like for like the, I think like six months or so, um, lights on under doors, Big was trigger. A big trigger for me. Because that's how you mm-hmm. that's how came I, across. Like, came across yeah. David. Um, and like my brother, he he doesn't know this, but He will now. He <laughs> yeah. He um he has this really bad habit of keeping lights on, like a closet light on, and it shines on because he lives with my parents too. Mm-hmm. But it shines and I can see it underneath the door. 
Um, and I remember the first time this was like a few week or two after David or no, and had to have been a couple months because I was heading to work and the light was on and I remember I froze. But in that moment, I was like, I have to go check on him, make sure he's okay. Mm. And since then, it's like I've become totally desensitized to that because he just does it all the time now. (laughs) But I just remember like the first time I was just like, oh, yeah, like I just had all that like was racing and I was just like sweating. And then I remember like not even I think a week into being back to work, like one of the um, one of my coworkers, she like passed out, and she was the same color that David was when mm. I found him, and it was just like I was like, oh my god, this can't be like happening right now. Like, this is my job. Like, I'm supposed to be helping people, and I am. Like, I was able to, like, be there for her, but then afterwards, I, like, lost it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, luckily, when I went back to work after being off for, like, I think two or three months, um, my manager was nice enough that she was like, hey, um, you know, because I'm a bedside nurse, they were like, you don't have to do bedside nursing. You can be just an admission discharge nurse, and you can just give people their paperwork and take out IVs and just... Kind of gradually get back into it. So, um, so luckily I was able to do that because I don't think I would have been able to side nursing with all that you had going on. All that went down. Um, Wow. But since then, it's like I really haven't had any triggers. um, But just learning to work through trauma. And continue to live, mm-hmm. which is not easy, but you have to do it yep. um, for yourself and then for your girls. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Well, thanks for taking time and talking, um, you know, to us about your journey. It's not easy. Um, so before we finish, I always ask the guests, what advice do you have? Um, it can be, you know, with, uh, depression, you know, uh, for a widow or just mm-hmm. anything, but mm-hmm. um, just advice that's helped you mm-hmm. in life. Um, I would say um, if you know someone who's struggling with depression or you're married to someone who's struggling with depression, um, definitely um, counseling to me was the best thing that we did. Um, and I, like I said earlier, like, I wish we had just done it more and more. Um, and then, um, I think if you're a friend or family member of somebody that's struggling with depression, um, checking in on them, um, even if they say they're okay, dive deeper, um, ask harder questions. Um, and I think like meeting up with somebody is very different than texting and phone calls. I think people are more open to opening up and being honest more so face to face than over a phone call. Cause they just hide the truth. 
Um, but as a widow, um, I think seeking like community, um, even if you feel like it's uncomfortable, like you're going to be the youngest person there. Um, I think finding people that understand what you've been through and what you're going through, um, makes you feel a whole lot less alone. You do feel alone. Um, yeah, I mean, that's great advice. And, mm -hmm. um, but especially, um, that stuck out for me <clears throat> is seeing them face to face mm -hmm. rather than just a phone call. I mean, those phone call and texts are still important, mm -hmm. but, um, someone can BS you on the phone and yep. you can look at them and kind of see in their eyes mm -hmm. and just their mannerisms. Um, and that person will a lot of times open up mm -hmm. more. Um, because like you said, and you've lived, you just don't know. Um, and everyone is going through something. Um, and I mean, that's what this podcast has evolved to is just allowing your average everyday average person to come on and share mm -hmm. their stories, their um, struggles, and just to allow others to know, Hey, you're not alone. Yeah. Our stories might not be identical, but there's pieces that you can relate to. Um, or you might be able to relate to the whole story, but just for those people to know, I'm not the only one going through mm -hmm. this and mm -hmm. life does get better. There is, um, it's easier. I learn how to live with that hole or mm -hmm. overcome that anxiety or whatever your mm -hmm. struggle may be. Um, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And then also it's, you know, um, has become a community, mm -hmm. um, where someone has reached out, well, I'm dealing with this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, let me connect mm -hmm. you with that mm -hmm. guest. And, um, and that's kind of what I wanted it to become. Um, cause for me, when I was going through my, um, roller coaster of a journey, mm -hmm. I felt alone and was living that double life and, um, you know, would lock myself up in the room and just sleep for days on end and drugs. And, um, yeah, it's hard, you know, it's why it's called life. <laughs> it's not easy. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the suicide hotline, I just looked up the new number. It's nine, eight, eight. So if you're struggling, um, with suicidal ideation, um, the hotline number is nine, eight, eight. Um, but thank you mm -hmm. again, Lindsay, just for sitting down and talking with us about something that's not easy to, um, uh, kind of just reminisce through and, mm -hmm. um, but it's important. Mm -hmm. Um, so thank you for your vulnerability. Um, all right. Thank you all for tuning in, uh, to episode 61 this week. Um, go subscribe. Um, whatever platform you listen to, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, if you want to come on the show, um, have a story that you're ready to share, any struggles, um, or if you just want to connect, um, feel free to reach out. And our email is the rabbit hole show 21 at gmail.com. Um, but thank y'all. Love y'all and stay tuned for next week.